Welcome to the Trinity Force Podcast. Our sponsor is Moxie and Zen. If you head over to moxieandzen.com slash tforce and use the code tforce, you can get 20% off of your order on premium, high-quality, and inexpensive boxers. They're made from bamboo to help wick away the sweat, which leaves you feeling fresh. Also, make sure to check out our Patreon, where we have a multitude of different perks. Anyone that signs up for the $5 tier will receive first dibs on any and all tournaments that we host. We'll send out an early access email so you can be at the front of the line to sign up and get onto the rift. The $10 tier will grant you access to special interviews or podcasts that we do. Additionally, $10 will grant you one replay review per month from the podcaster of your choice. Just download the replay file and send it to us via email or private Discord message. With the replay review, you'll get the insight and expertise that the podcasters bring, which will help you optimize each phase of the game. The $15 tier will unlock one live coaching session per month from the podcaster of your choice. Let us know who you'd like to talk to, and we'll set up a way for you to stream your game to them as a member of the podcast walks you through your game. And finally, the $50 tier will grant you a one-time guest spot on the podcast where you will be able to give your input on the show agenda and be live on the podcast with the rest of the Trinity Force crew. The money that we collect from Patreon not only helps keep the lights on, but helps to pay for better equipment and promotional materials. If you have any questions for the crew, shoot us an email at questions at trinityforcepodcast.com. You can also head over to our website, www.trinityforcenetwork.com. There you can find a link for our Discord, old episodes, and other Trinity Forest Network podcasts. You can also visit our subreddit, r slash tforcenetwork, our Twitter, at tforcenetwork, our YouTube page, youtube.com slash c slash trinityforcepodcast, or on Twitch at twitch.tv slash tforcepodcast, where we're regularly streaming tournaments, community game nights, other league games the podcasters are playing, and even other games occasionally. Finally, on Tuesday nights, make sure to join us in our Discord at 7.15pm Eastern Standard Time, where we will be playing and often streaming on Twitch, Community Game Night, for some fun pre-made games and in-house custom matches. Welcome to the Trinity Force Podcast. Yo, it's that Triforce cast beaming straight to your home. Grab a beer so we know Pony ain't drinking alone. Send an email, a quick tweet, just pick up the phone. Leave a message, hit the beep if you're a creep, watch your tone. Discuss the meta game, patch notes, whatever helps your stats most. Obi Pone Kenobi is your last hope to snatch gold. So grab your headphones and join in the fun. We'll try enforcing some jokes and some cringeworthy puns. Yo, we can make it together, people. Trinity Force Podcast. These boys are second to none, but that's the end of the intro, it's time we've begun. Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 812 of the Training Force podcast. I am your host, N.A. Eric, and tonight it is me and Goose and Bomo, and uh, we're going to be talking... LCS walkout and everything that's been happening over the past few weeks because we uh, we've been focusing more on the patches and the in-game stuff, but 
there's been a lot going on outside of what's going on inside the PC as well and going on in the scene. So we're going to talk through some of that. But um, yeah, I mean, before we get down to business, guys, how you doing? Bomo, I'm loving the tropical background. For anyone who can't see it on YouTube, he is sporting uh, one of the faux backgrounds that Discord provides. What's that one called? Like Discord at the beach or something? Uh, that sounds pretty right. Um, let me see. Change my background real quick. Uh, this is the Wumpus Vacation. So that's, Ooh, this is where I'm at. I like yeah. it. So sunny San Diego, California with the Wumpus Vacation background. Are you the Wumpus then? I think the Wumpus is <laughs> behind me sleeping. You see it napping or a book. Oh, it's yeah, in like some inner that. tube. Kind of just chilling. Yep. But yeah, I think that's the Yeah, Wumpus. it's like a hybrid between what? Like an octopus and an elephant or something? Sure. Whatever the Discord uh, mascot is that, the Wumpus? The Wumpus. Yeah. I've been good. Cool. Cool. Um, things going well because you recently moved. How Are you guys getting more and more settled each day and everything like yeah. that? And Yeah, we were pretty much fully settled last weekend. We just had to go buy a couple things. Um, but yeah, we're pretty much all settled now into our new apartment. Um pretty nice. nice the commute is really good now for me well it's 30 minutes but it's 30 minutes regardless of um traffic or time of day so it's a flat 30 minutes uh to and from work now so which is pretty good compared to before when without traffic it was 45 minutes and with traffic it would take an hour and like 15 hour and 20 so definitely a, a step in the right direction yeah nice Nice. And League been going well? I mean, you were killing it last night when you joined in Community Game Night. Yeah, so, uh, I don't know, what, did I talk to you guys about my fall? So I, I hit, like, Plat 2, like, you 40 did. LP. Yeah, so I was at Plat 2, 40 LP, and then I dropped down to Plat 4 with my Demotion Shield gone. So I was, like, one game away from demoting to gold, and then I was able to kind of rally back, and now I'm back at, like, Plat 350 LP. So I, I dropped a couple games last night, um, a little unfortunate, but... Overall, Solo Queue has been pretty good. Uh, I told you I put in a new champion, so now I have about three champions in mid that I'm um, pretty decent win rate on right now, so hoping to, to keep pushing the grind. I know the season resets in like a month in a, or end of this month or something like that um, for the first split. I see. But yeah, I think the season's coming to an end, so I consider the end of the year being the season, so that's what I'm trying to push for but uh we'll see my first goal was uh diamond um and i think that might be a little tough uh there's 40 days left of the season of this first split um and then the soft reset comes in so maybe maybe by the end of the year uh i'll try to beat diamond if not then that's kind of the the current goal for right now is trying to hit um diamond in solo queue playing three champions i think Sure. Yeah, it's uh, July 17th, for anyone who doesn't know. At midnight Central Standard Time, ranks will reset and Splint 2 begins. It it looks like it begins immediately from the tweet that I'm seeing, but I'm guessing there's probably going to be an hour or so where it's not available to play. Probably. Um, as long as they... I don't know... So this season, they didn't reset your wins and losses, right, from last season? So I don't know if they're all going to do that for this split or just... You know, the year is like more than halfway done at this point. Might as well just kind of keep it, you know. But um, we'll see. This is, I think, the most solo queue I've played since season three or four. So I am 
I'm not grinding. Um, I'm playing like two to three games uh, in a sitting, but I am trying to play more um, just to kind of get into the flow of solo queue. And um, this is the the season that I've played the least amount of champions. I think I played like five unique champions this season over like a hundred and some games. So it's pretty good. Yeah, uh, you have 180 games so far. I'm looking it up, and you've played six champions, actually, six? in solo okay. queue. Still pretty good, okay. right? So yeah. who are they? So who are they? I'm going to quiz you on it. You, who have you played? <laughs> I played uh, Yon, Diana. Yep. Yes. Ari. Yes. Swain. Yes. Senna. Yes. And Aurelian Soul. Damn, he knows his shit. Okay. Yeah, uh, I... I know people say to dodge your autofill games, but I get autofilled support, and I'm like, I only have time for one or two games anyway, so I'm not going to just waste my evening. And so I usually play Swain support. But the one time I played Senna, I, I remember this, is because the AD carry picked Swain and play, <laughs> played Swain Botlin. I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll play some other support, and I just ended up playing Senna, and I just completely fed that game. That was terrible. <laughs> But I just wanted to play my solo queue game. I was like, I haven't played in a while, and I wanted to play one game. And the first game I got was I was autofilled. I'm like, I'm not dodging this. Nice. I have, in contrast, I was just looking. I've played 28 unique champions in solo queue so far this year. That's that's a lot of and champions. So I will say... Are you climbing, uh, son? Overall, I've climbed... Um, like it's, I will say that there are seven that I've only played one game on, mm. and then another. There's like ten to fifteen champions I've not played more than three games on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was kind of like me. I think there was. I actually like kept a record of like all the the champions that I had played in the previous season, and it was like kind of crazy. Um, the most unique champions I played was back in season five. I played 49 unique champions in solo queue over 180 games. So that averages about four games a champion, which is not not a good role model for for sticking with the small champion pool for solo queue. Yeah, I'm looking to see my most. In season 10, I had 37 unique, but I also played a lot more games back then. Uh... 35 in season 9, 40 in season 8. So I was also doing the same thing. Oh, okay. Here we go. I got you beat. Season 7, I played 61. That's too many champions. That's insane. Yeah. And my top two were Quinn and Ramus. Hmm. That was Lethality Quinn. Anyways... Now it's just Jarvan at the top every season. I play the most of him. <laughs> he's a good champion. He's Yeah, he's fallen off a bit, but yeah. Yep. But I've just been enjoying playing, just playing Scion top right now. It's like, I'm not, I guess we kind of segued into me. I didn't mean to steal the spotlight from you, but I guess I'll just take it from here. Yeah, I've just kind of segued into playing Scion more just because it's so much fun at this point. Like I'm having, I'm just really having fun doing it. And then I, if I, I, I'm queuing like top jungle and I'm just playing Scion. And if I don't get Scion, then I more than likely I'm going to lose, but no one really bans Scion. Um, and not many people play him either. But, uh, if I go jungle, then it's like, I'm 
kind of able to just autopilot and generally do pretty well right now um and win like i think people are sleeping on volley bear really hard right now because games are so fast so that champion is all base stats and falls off really hard so building like triforce sterics on him and just running people over especially because like the most popular ones being what like evelyn and kha'zix and hecarim are super popular those champions take a long time to get online so i can just always fight them in the river so yeah it's uh I've been playing more solo queue lately, although I haven't played much in the last like week and a half. I was kind of playing. I was planning on playing some, uh, probably Saturday night and a bit on like Sunday night. Um, but I'm in the middle of like we're packing up and we're moving next week, so not a lot of space and time to do that. Yeah, but um, outside of league, everything's going well with me. Just settling into my new job still and. Um, I'm actually starting to be able to do some actual work because I'm through the first couple weeks of laptop issues, connectivity issues that I was having since I started remotely and then going through all the trainings and I had a lot more trainings than I normally had at previous jobs because I'm work dealing with like, uh, health data and private confidential information. So there was lots of like federal training programs I needed to go through. And I think I might also have to go and get like a polygraph from the state, uh, a state criminal justice system to work with criminal justice data, which is kind of cool because polygraphs are hot garbage, but the fact that they want to use them is kind of cool. So I'm excited about that. It might, I might not have to, but I kind of hope that I do have to, because that'd be really cool. Yeah. It's the same way I can say that like I've had a unique experience. I've failed a background check before, even though I don't have anything sketchy in my past. Uh, Ikea failed me from a background check because they couldn't get in touch with a previous internship that I had. Don't know why, but they were like, you failed your background check. You cannot work at Ikea. So it's kind of fun. They got to keep it locked up over there at Ikea. Yeah, I know. Although when I, when I interviewed, like when I did the in-person application and interview that I had and toured there, like the, there's an upstairs area above, well, at least in the store that I went to, there's an upstairs area above where you check out and that's like all employee quarters. And there's like, this was back in 2018 before the remote style or before like, you know, getting more and more to a, a healthy work-life balance. They had, uh, like napping areas. They had, um, lockers and stuff there were on-site showers there were uh like a couple of local coffee places had like a thing on they had like a keg on tap or whatever that version of a coffee thing is they had uh there was like a a foosball table up there and then like some lounge seating and stuff for when people are on their breaks and they provide them with free food like i was surprised i was like damn ikea this is really nice too exclusive for me they didn't want me <laughs> so okay i've talked enough about myself i could keep going for a while i've done whole podcasts on myself so i digress goose how are you doing i caught you mid-drink just slurped down some coffee or something <laughs> no it's just some uh, sparkling water oh nice trying to be a little healthier you know sure no nah, man uh, i've been good i've uh, been playing golf working playing some solo queue when i can nami is fucking busted Really? Like, uh, it, with anyone, or just, you know, even just more with, like, the Lucian <clears throat> combo? I, I've only played her with Lucian once. I just, I pretty much pick her every game. Okay. 
She's pretty so, strong. She she's echoes really well. Um, and then I mean, you can just go for like a, uh, what's a, I'm trying to think of the name of the item. Uh, you can go like Imperial Mandate second if you want. You can go Redemption if your team's getting bursted. Um, I really like Ardent Sensor, and quite honestly, I think it's probably a better first item depending on who your AD carry is. Even after the nerfs, uh, okay. I seen in the LPL they were like first item rushing it, like every game. Wow. On the enchanters, just because I mean the attack speed you get from it's kind of nutty. So yeah. No, she feels yeah. really good. So I had what about, the, like what? Sorry the, to interrupt. Like, what about her feels so strong? Because I'm I just looked her up just to see like because a lot of times you're highlighting champions that are like pretty strong, but then you have a, a you know, like a twist on the build path for them. Nami's sitting a like, right around like 49 and a half win rate right now, even with like the items you're talking. So like, what, where do you think the disconnect is with people? Are people not playing it right? Are they, is it picked too much? Like what's, why do you think the win rate's not higher? I think a lot of it has to do like, so mainly I started, <laughs> First, first time this season um, was the first year I really played Nami. And probably the first 20 games was just me trying to learn how to position with her. Because you, you have to be very careful with your positioning. If you get any sort of out of position to where you can't cast spells on your allies, you're useless and you're just, I mean, for lack of better words, you're a fish out of water. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you just kind of get one shot. So, yeah. It was a struggle when I first tried to learn her. I mean, I lost like 15 games in a row just trying to Damn. learn how to play her. But then I, I won like 20 in a row once I finally figured out how to position with her properly. I think a lot of people go wrong with thinking that she is a typical enchanter that wants to scale. She scales really well, but her early game is extremely powerful and people don't really... You, you really need to be aggressively using your W as much as you possibly can. That's the... Is that the heal and yeah, the damage? Yeah, it's, okay. it's like the damage. It's the, it's called ebb and flow. It bounces around. And you, you really need to make sure that your AD carry is in good position because it can bounce three times. So it can bounce from the enemy to you to your ally and heal both of you. Oh, I didn't know it... I mean, I knew it bounced. I thought that it... If you use it on yourself, like so, if you if you start with a heal version, it it goes heal damage and then has to go to a heal, and it, but if you did it on a damage, it went damage go to a heal and then has to damage someone else or it didn't bounce. That was my yeah. Idea. So it used to work that way, and then they recoded that it can just bounce three times oh, unless you that's it, sweet. It, now if you self cast it, it won't do anything but just damage. Mm. But then you can also use it like. Say your AD carry is positioning forward, you can bounce it off them to hit somebody, and then it'll bounce back and heal your AD carry again. Okay. Gotcha. I I did not know that. Like those are the nuances that you really pick up when you play a champion a decent bit. Damn. And then like a lot of people will never use their E on themselves. So a, a good trade that I really like to do is I'll just E myself. I'll walk up, I'll auto, and then I'll W them to damage, heal me again. I'll auto again so they're slowed again, and then I'll land my Aqua Prison, which is the Q. So, I mean, it's just like really understanding your limits on the champion is where people go wrong. 
Sure. There's yeah, a lot not- of games I die a lot <laughs> because <laughs> I'm really trying to push because if she falls behind, she's useless. Her heal is not that much if she falls behind. So you really need to push the pace of the game. And she's really, I mean, she just uses all the items that are strong right now pretty well. Yeah, and she has a lot of build diversity like you were kind of speaking about at the beginning too. So you can definitely fit into most any team comp for whatever's happening. And overall, overall, I think if you can't land the Q, you just can't play Nami because it, it's such a an integral part of her kit. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's been pretty good. And then uh, I might have to change my name to Papa Goose. Why is that? I got a baby girl on the way. Congratulations. Congrats. That's awesome. <clears throat> yeah, thank you. Yeah. Finally have an AD carry to play with that won't inch you. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> That's really cool. We're, uh, yeah. we're super happy for you. Congrats again. Yeah. Yeah. Last Saturday we did like a gender reveal. It was pretty cool. It hit like a chalk golf ball that had pink chalk inside of it. So when it hit it, it exploded. That's pretty sick. It was pretty cool. Um, Were you, I mean, obviously you're happy that you're going to have a baby girl. Were you hoping for a girl? Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Well, we're we're super happy for you and and your family and all. Um, and uh, you'll get you know we'll give you one week off from the podcast. But other than that, no 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 time off. <laughs> <laughs> no, no PTO around here. This is IKEA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Um. Cool. So. Um, Let's uh let's move from that extremely happy news to some less than happy news. So, um we want to talk about the LCS walkout that's happening and it being delayed and everything like that. So, um how how up have you guys been keeping up with this news as it's happened? Pretty much all day. I got Twitter refreshing so I can <laughs> get all the updates. I don't have that detailed updates. I kind of just know like the major players in terms of the their thoughts and opinions as well as kind of the reasoning behind it um but yeah i don't i don't have like the the up-to-date live thing i do know like riot pending like suspension of the the summer league depending on how this walkout goes but yeah yeah okay so it seems like goose do you want to just like lay us lay out like what's been happening then because it seems like you then have the most knowledge of what's happened because I know some, but I don't. I also like you, Bomo. I haven't been keeping up with every intricate, uh, intricate detail of it. Yeah. So I mean, it all kind of started. I think it was like right at the end of LCS spring. They really started talking about like the NACL, the North American Challenger League, and how it was going to be kind of disbanded after this season. And it seemed like everybody was kind of on the same page with that with funding and everything going down with, you know, how the economy is. And all of a sudden, I don't know, what did you say? It was like two weeks ago now, a week and a half ago, that they just came out on a statement saying that uh, all 10 orgs are dropping their Challenger League team and Riot is no longer going to be like backing the Challenger Leagues along with the orgs. Like they don't, they're not forced to have a league anymore. 
or uh, field the roster for the Challenger League, I should say. And it came at a big surprise. A lot of players, I shouldn't even say a lot, all of the players had no idea. They found out through how most normal people find out that they just lost their job through Twitter. You know, I mean, it's kind of wild in that sense. And then since then, the uh, like LCS Players Association has been trying to like reach an agreement to come back with the Challenger League with the orgs and riot and they couldn't come to agreement with anything. So then the players decided to just vote on a walkout, which I think most of the players voted. Yes. There were like a minority that didn't vote. Yes. But obviously yeah, those players names aren't going to be right. We don't know who voted which way other than the people who come up publicly, but we do know that it was not unanimous. It was yeah. a overwhelming majority, but not unanimous. Right. I would say, and this is just like completely opinionated, the players that probably didn't vote yes were the ones that are here on like work visas and stuff, is what I would say. Because the reason that they're in the country is because of a work visa. So if they're not working and these teams aren't actively working to keep their visa and then get them like citizenship. They don't have a place to be here anymore. Like if you don't have a work visa, you have to be sent back home. Like that's just kind of how it is, unless you have a citizenship or other extenuating circumstances. So I would say that probably those players are the ones that voted no. And I mean, you can't blame them. They're they're trying to keep their job. They most likely came from a region that's probably not as good as the United States. And they probably don't want to go back home. And they also just don't want to lose their job. I mean, that's the biggest part of all of it. Yeah, I mean, even if they, like, there's not any financial ramification explicitly tied to the visa. But even if they did, like, if they're renting an apartment, that bill doesn't go away just because they're no longer living there. They're still going to owe debts to whomever they owed before. They still have a credit card bill or, you know, whatever outstanding bills they have. They're still going to have to pay those. And then... Who knows about their financial situation back in their home countries of wherever they're from exactly. So that's, yeah, like for, if the, if that's why some people voted no, then I uh, I definitely understand and respect that decision as well. Like it, it's, it's hard to fault someone for that. Um, even if you think that it's still worth the walkout, you can under, like any reasonable person can understand why someone would vote that. It's just on sheer economics. Yeah, so um, to my knowledge, we're still waiting to. I mean, they're they're negotiating, and or maybe there's maybe they're still just like not talking to each other and just talking at everyone else. But there, uh, it doesn't. I would not be surprised if we still go another week and there's still no resolution at all, and it might well get canceled. I don't think it actually would get canceled, but uh, I I don't know. So yeah. Um, I was watching Cadrill uh, talk about it, which he has no dog in the game, so it was kind of interesting to hear his thoughts. And he's also not directly employed by Riot, although it, he couldn't really say... I'm, he, he probably can't be as critical as he would want to be if he was going to be super critical, because he does contract with them for stuff. So, yeah. But in any case, he did bring up that there were some uh, some of the demands that the or the asks that the player union came up with were unreasonable in his eyes um 
but that there's all there's blame to go around everywhere. Like if if it comes to a strike, there's almost it's almost always there's some blame to go around everywhere. If it goes to a walkout or a strike, regardless of what the economic conditions are, regardless of what the situation is, whether you're talking about a baseball players union, whether you're talking about railroad workers, where you're talking about auto workers, it really doesn't matter. Like, you know, TSA, government, it really doesn't matter who you're talking about. There's, yes, a lot of the time there's burden more on one party than another, but it's there's always some blame to go around. So um, that's why uh, I think it's just important that we talk about all of that because we're, we're going to try not to get too political and like say like, oh, it's the employer's fault or, oh, the employees are greedy bastards or <laughs> things like that. But um, I think it's easier in this case than if we're talking about, you know, like the nurses unions that have been striking across the U.S. Uh, over the last couple of years, because here I think there's pretty clearly blame everywhere, even if it is in more in some people's camp than others. So, yeah. Well, and I think you also said the biggest problem without actually saying it is they're not a union. They're just a players association. They they aren't they, they have no real power in this situation. I thought they were a formal union. I didn't know that. No, okay. it's the it's the LCS Players Association. They're not a they're not a formal union, nor do they have like actual representation inside of Riot or within the organizations. All it is is just a head of the players that represent the players in a like general fashion. The, so for like, lack of a so it's basically like to to put this into as informal as it possibly is. It's basically as though you're the head of like a Facebook group or a social club that actually yeah, has exactly. no power. Okay. Wow. I didn't realize so, that. And, and that's, I kind of was talking about it in the discord with somebody and yeah. you guys might've read through, but that's like the biggest issue with this entire thing is these players have no say in anything. If they were a true union, like you have in the NFL or the MLB or the NBA, not only would you have an actual players union, but you would also have what's called a collective bargaining agreement. And basically what that means is the revenue that the league gets from either Riot or LCS or the organizations, a percentage of that goes to the players, excluding your salary, right? So that's like how salary caps and all that stuff work in formal sports, not like esports, Right. So like this whole strike thing <laughs> yeah it's cool and like it's for the betterment of like the region but at the same time like riot doesn't have to do anything and neither do the orgs because they're not a union right that they don't have formal representation there's no agreements between anybody that say anything otherwise if riot wanted to and they tried to they could just tell them because they tried to tell the orgs, look, you're going to field a roster. Like, we're going to have games week one. But then they realized the challenges, and then the product probably wasn't going to be the best. So they decided to pull back on it. Because Riot actually changed, like, some of the rules of the ranks of the players that you could have. They removed the ranks uh, restriction to be a pro player. And before it was what you had to have been Diamond in the two. most recent... Oh, D2. I thought it was much higher than that. Okay, D2. No, as long as you're D2 or higher, you you are eligible to be a professional player. Right. That being said, anyone who reaches D2, like most people are never going to even be looked at or even no, possible to go in. Yeah. But they removed that qualification because they, they did tell the teams initially after this, this strike happened, like, hey, guys, week one, you're going to have a team and we're going to play. Like, 
because and to kind of go back to what you were talking about with like economics all of the money that riot gets from like the pro scene comes from sponsorships and the sponsorships sell off viewers from like twitch youtube or like uh whatever the chinese streaming platforms are sure they sell the viewers numbers to the sponsor companies because they're going to get their you know the like the capital one first blood or whatever it is that they have you know yeah. it's red Bull they pay to put their play. yeah exactly they pay to put their name in the games cuz they get all those viewers well if you're not playing games those sponsors aren't going to give you money because they're not getting any advertising dollars so it's i mean it's just a really bad situation yeah and to go to compound the player issue that they haven't that they remove those even further those rank requirements um i saw statements from multiple colleges and universities across the country saying that orgs even if they didn't confirm necessarily that orgs had reached out to them but that they are not interested and will not provide their players um to the orgs to borrow them uh and that would have worked for week one because it was supposed to start like a day or two before they pushed it back for two weeks because they allowed all the teams to play remotely for the first week. And then they imagined all those games would happen remotely with a whole hodgepodge of people from across the country. And then they would probably try and get the players to cave off of that. But they're like, you're saying they weren't able to find enough players on, you know, just in the rank tier that wanted to do it as well as no colleges were willing to, or no colleges that came out and said anything were willing to volunteer their rosters. Um, and that's probably a good reason. That's probably a really good thing for a bunch of reasons. And if you're wondering about how, uh, or how about college organizations and their league teams have to be careful with some of the league, uh, with some of the actual organizations, you can go back and listen to our episode last summer when we talked with uh, the director of the esports programs at uh, University of Colorado San Diego. So small plug back there, um, maybe like 50 episodes ago or so. But yeah, like there's. The orgs kind of ran out of time, it seemed like, to put teams together, and that's ultimately why it was pushed back two weeks. So we're, what, one week into the two-week, uh, I think so now? So Yeah, it was supposed, supposed to start to last start. Thursday. Yeah, so it's supposed to start either next Thursday or the following one. I don't exactly know how they did it, but um, I don't I don't know. I don't, I don't see much of a resolution coming mm-hmm. out and in mind here but yeah Boma what are your thoughts because we've been kind of hogging the limelight hogging the mic a little bit here I I think for it kind of stems from I want to say just Riot's fault in general right so I think this leads all the way back to Riot not allowing anyone to sponsor Riot events and that kind of starts this whole entire issue where I was reading the the Riot guidelines. If you want to sponsor a League of Legends event, and the only way you can sponsor an event without any Riot approval is by having the cash prize be less than $10,000. So that's the only way you can sponsor um, a Riot event that isn't approved. Anything above that needs Riot approval from Riot Games and a license. You have to pay a licensing fee to broadcast a League of Legends game that you are coordinating. And I think that puts it in a really tough spot where 
you're already limiting the exposure of college teams, right? So colleges, I don't think they really get broadcasted at all until it's the finals. Um, so you, you lack broadcasting there. And the Challenger series are also hardly broadcasted. Like, we barely even talk about the Challenger League at all, if any, if if we talk about them at all. And I think forcing a an LCS team to field a challenger team is bad for the development and growth of league. Because if you're forcing an LCS team to field a challenger team that they don't want to, they're probably all going to be washed players who are just taking up a spot, who are just there to soak up a, a paycheck, right? Uh, in my opinion, the minor leagues or like challenger series shouldn't be shouldn't be a a way for you to just kind of live comfortably. You need to have some sort of incentive to like improve yourself to maybe reach up to to higher echelons or like aspirations. Um, and so I guess one of the asks was to make the minimum wage of a uh, a challenger series player 60k a year right that was one of their asks to 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 have a a challenger team and roster so if you just look at the money in that sense fielding just a team of five players without any coaches is three hundred thousand dollars a year per challengers team and i feel like that's that's way too expensive for the product we get out of a challenger series, especially if there's no good way for these challenger teams to to get revenue. Um, like in minor leagues, right? You, I was I was looking up some like minor league like salaries and stuff. Like in in, in the NBA next year, the minimum G League salary is forty k, and I I feel that's for an established sport. With a minor league um, environment, that that seems low in my eyes, but relative to the LCS and the Challenger series, that's it doesn't make any sense why the Challenger players are getting paid so much more than um, an NBA G League when the G League has been pretty much established in the NBA scene for a decent amount of time. And I was another one I was looking at was like a minor league baseball and i think their yeah, average salary yeah so I, I know they're also pretty 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 much on the lower end i think if you're looking at the minor league scene in general lcs challenger players get paid more than all these other established sports who have a minor league team and i feel like that's in a sense i understand that you have to ensure that the players are have a livable wage but I feel like the Challenger series, the Challenger players, isn't a shouldn't be a retirement home for LCS players in a way, right? I know, I know it's 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 a unique career in that you start off really young, right? 16, 17 years old, you play in the LCS, and maybe you have a good four or five years, um, and you can use the time when you're done to either stream or do something else but i know a lot of the argument around the lcs players is there there's nothing driving them for higher aspirations in na it seems like so na is kind of just happy with their their paychecks is kind of the, the stigma maybe that's 
being thrown around. And I feel like the Challenger series of having an established salary is going to make that even worse, especially without any revenue for getting that type of money. Um, I think maybe if Riot were to allow more broadcasting rights and allow schools to to have a riot sanction event type of thing and just just have in general have more exposure who who cares that the prize pool is twelve thousand dollars and you need to pay right for like why why is that even a thing i that doesn't make any sense to me like how how do you expect your game to grow if you're limiting who's allowed to show your game and who's allowed to participate in those events um I think that that goes a lot to how Riot's view is of their, of like their IP, their intellectual property. I talk with the, I talk about with my cousin a lot, who used to play League, and he uh, he now plays a lot of Valorant. But like he talks a lot about how he thinks the big, the single biggest mistake that Riot has made with a lot of their games is that, um, or the ones that he's played as well, is that they don't allow for. Um, they control their IP too, uh, too centrally, and they don't mm-hmm. allow other people to experiment with it. And what I mean by that is not that like you know they shouldn't like they can't allow people to rip off their game. Like it's not that at all. It's that so for example in League of Legends, there's no user generated content. So if you were to go play, uh, you know, a custom game of um, Let's just use Civilization for an example, like Civ Five, Civ Six, whatever people used to play. They'd go in and change some of the rules, and there'd be different rules. And sometimes it's informal, sometimes it's formal. You would go into like StarCraft was a big one back in the day, where people would uh, create. They would have like map editors, and you could create the different maps you have and have different uh, game modes where you created. I mean, that's where the first MOBA came from. Was a StarCraft user-generated game where where people people controlling you know, monsters in some way, monsters and entities to, that was where MOBAs came from, was a StarCraft generated map. Halo is the same way, where a lot of, there's a, a big scene for custom games and uh, and different things like that. Or So like, Riot doesn't allow for people to go in and take like, here's your stock standard League of Legends map, here are the, you know, the assets that you could place on it and the additional rules you could put onto the map. They always control it very centrally through here are the balance patches. Here are the new maps that you are you will have access to or you won't have access to in the game modes. It's very centrally controlled, which allows for you to get across what you want for your vision of it very easily. But it doesn't allow for a dynamic environment very easily at all. Or if it does, you're going to have to pay a lot of money to get that through because instead of having you know someone develop, like some coder, just like someone who has a side project to uh build a different map because they really want to see if people would like it or just say they want to play it then now you have to pay a team of developers for a year to put that all together so i think that also goes to their events is that like if it's a small enough uh small enough bounty small enough environment then they don't care because there's nothing that crazy that's going on with anything under 10k generally um but if it gets above that then I mean, there could be some legal ramifications that we're not aware of in terms of like tournaments and things like that. But more, I think it's just that they want their slice of the pie and they want to make sure that anything that people are winning significant amounts of money on is going to be properly represented, uh, properly representing of what they want their brand to look like. And 
which I also understand, but the fact that they're in this situation where we're kind of come to is that they, I mean, you, you kind of said at the beginning, it's originally Riot's fault, even though they're not the sole issue in what's happening right now mm -hmm. in this storm. They have a, they have allowed the conditions to be created and festered. And so, like when we were chatting in the Discord earlier, I gave an example of you know if there's a if a law gets passed by the U.S. federal government and they change the tax code somehow, and then an unintended loophole opens up and someone doesn't pay their taxes and it's and it is technically legal, who is at fault there for? those taxes not to be collected. It's uh, A, the government's fault for f creating the situation, but it's also that person's fault for utilizing that. So in that way, Riot created this storm. They bear at, at least, I mean, I don't, it doesn't really matter to put a number on it, but a significant burden of responsibility for what's happened. Um, but you also have to then some in some way blame the players for not being stronger advocates for themselves to set up a proper union. I mean, the U.S. is one of the strongest uh, places in the world relative to most countries in terms of labor and union rights and representation. Mm -hmm. So they could establish a union. I don't know why they haven't, but I, think, I bet that that's def they're definitely going to try really soon, I bet. Yeah, I think it also has to do with the league scene is super, super green, right? So it's it's brand new if you look at the the world of esports and like, you compare that to, to sports in general. I know it's not really apples and apples comparison, but these kids who are 15, 16, right, started playing video games and they realized that they're they're pretty decent. I, I probably imagine they didn't think about unionizing. <laughs> and so it's kind of more of like a, a learning situation maybe. I know it's... The, the, the argument's always there, right? The... the the people before you kind of paved the way of how things are sort of done um, in today's world. And so I think there's going to be a lot of growing pains for the league scene. Um, in my just initial response of everything, I think all players are just being paid way too much for, for what league viewers are currently bringing in. I, I don't think it's sustainable at all. Like, a $10 million franchising spot for an LCS when it's the product that they produce is so subpar. You're like you look at some of these teams that are playing, right? And you're like kind of scratching your head watching them play. It's like, what, it, what, what, what is going on? Like I, I can't watch this content because they're just so bad. Like these players are, you, they like they look mentally checked out, um, and they're only showing up because they're being paid so much, right? It's kind of the thing. It's you get to the point where you're in the system of working your way up the ranks, and you're getting paid too much, but you hate your job, and you 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 don't want to do anything, but that security is there, and I don't know how you really fix that issue, but I think it all kind of stems together, and the challenger players are like. Why? Why is Team X, who's one in one in eighteen for the season, getting paid so much more than the top challenger team type of situation? I think it's kind of all been festering, and now it's all kind of like coming out. But it's just my opinion of I do think the product that 
LCS provides maybe isn't top quality for how much they're being paid. Um, TSM buying Sword Art for three million is just I I I don't understand like why why you know like the, the, I mean I mean merch is gonna drive some of that it's it's the hype and things like that the, but can the merch um, offset a three million dollar buyout for a a support player who didn't play well like you saw i i saw him play and it looked like dog water it was so bad yeah and so you're just throwing away money at that point paying this guy three million dollars over a course of three years and we have to watch this this product for three years and you wonder why like the viewership is going down Well, part of that, I will say, like, to specifically that is we don't know what happened in, like, a person's personal life while that could change. And also, some people don't adapt well moving outside of a culture they're comfortable in. So that could be it, too, for, like, his specific case. So, like, I'm not I'm not saying he didn't play poorly. He did play poorly. But I don't I don't want to necessarily say, like, you know, it's TSM's fault for or it's Sordar's fault for him playing garbage. Like, there's a lot of different things that there could be. But, um, okay, so, I mean, like, we've talked about a lot of the problems here. So... To the extent that, you know, we have an idea of what the problems are, I'm sure we have suggestions for solutions then, unless unless there truly aren't solutions, in which case the whole thing has to just like straight up blow up, which I don't think that's the case. Like there are solutions to be had here, even if they're not feasible, some of them for the split that's supposed to start in a week. I I mean, I can go first, I think, then to kick it off then. So I think a a big thing is that the players do need to get together and talk about unionizing and making sure that that happens because then they'll actually be able to be in a position to um, bargain and fight for things that they care about the next time something like this comes up. Um, I mean, in addition to getting more standardized pay and, and support for programs and stuff, then when inevitably people have, uh, you know, personal life issues or they are involved with law enforcement in some way like we've seen in professional sports now a lot of time there are there's been a lot of cases where players are being suspended by their leagues per their uh the cbas because of sexual harassment claims or because of domestic abuse stuff or things like that which there's definitely some of that that happens in esports that we don't know about it, it happens in life humans do that even though it's not great. So then they would have some protections afforded to them for that. And then so Riot and the orgs don't just have complete autonomy to decide what happens to this player. Um, and then I think on top of that, there needs to be uh, more investment in the in the second tier, uh, the second tier, um, the challenger uh, environment. And I, th- I do think that it would be good to have each org for North America specifically, because every different culture is different to be forced to have a challenger team, but to allow for, let's say there's 16 spots or things like that to allow for additional spots to come in and other teams can compete in a, you know, a tournament style to put together a roster for that. And then if you make it into those, you know, whether it's 12 or 16, whatever, those additional two to six spots, then Riot gives you some funding to help you to sustain an environment there and compete. And then um, that would be good because then that also allows for 
newer organizations who don't necessarily have $10 million to throw at a franchise fee. And also, I believe that if a team has a franchise fee, they get first dibs on renewing it before anyone else gets to even touch it as well. So then you actually create some sort of a, a competition in a way there. Um, I, but I think the big the biggest reason why I think they need to have a forced system there is just because of the way that North American sports work. And it doesn't it doesn't work the same in Europe with the European team. It doesn't work the same in uh, in multiple other cultures and countries. It's just that all professional sports, for the most part, in this country have, you know, we have the top tier, and regardless of how poorly you do, you're not dropping out of anything. You're guaranteed that spot because you paid for mm-hmm. it. So then you have a AAA, or you have a G League team, or you have uh, whatever the lower team of, like, hockey is, or there's the reserve squad for NFL. There's, like, all these teams where basically we only have the professionals and their feeder teams that are also owned by the professional organization itself, and then a collegiate system. And that's it for North American. That's just the way that we do sports here in the U.S. and in Canada. And it's I'm not saying it's the best way, but that's the only way, I think, to really incorporate a challenger, uh, a challenger environment into the North American cultural sports scene, as opposed to what I would love is that if they had a relegation system like you have in European soccer or they have in they used to have in in a LCK or they I think they also used to have that in LCS and I know orgs complain about that they didn't love it but field a better team of players then guys if you don't like it then don't fucking get relegated I I sort of agree um, with the challenger series being larger teams but I I do think you don't have to force the the LCS teams to field the challenger team, in my eyes, it should it should be opting in. But if if an LCS team opts into a challenger series team, Riot will help pay um, for that team in a partial way, whether it be half off or something like that, to to help offset the the player salary. Um, and that way, you're you can get a group of guys who want to try to compete against these challenger teams and you're feeding more into the system might as well let the top collegiate teams like the top four collegiate teams also be a part of it plus like any like disguised toast type of teams you know who want to buy in and play and make it like a 20 20 20 league team swiss swiss style format where you're all playing against each other and going up the ranks that way um but i think it's already in a unmanageable spot by having franchising i know the the teams and orgs wanted security and so they're paying for their spot but at the end of the day if if you're watching a team not perform year after year well i know golden guardians has gotten better but before golden guardians right they were constantly eight nine tenth place team and when riot did the thing of the best of threes and showing different streams like there was clearly evidence that there was no interest in some of these teams when they're playing because they just had no viewers. Um, and I don't know how you fix that after you've established franchising. Um, ideally, as you were saying, relegation and promotion is the best way, but to these orgs, do you do you refund them a certain amount of their payment? It's like, you couldn't feel the good team, so here's 75% back, and so it makes it more of a, a tougher 
or you penalize them. Yeah, or you, like or you, you could penalize them, or, yeah. You, 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 yeah it's, I mean, you it's carrot them, right? or stick. It yeah. depends on which way you want to go with it. Or, I mean, if they can't, if they have other issues and they can't field a good squad mm-hmm. because they don't have a good fan base or things like that, then they they might have to be like the analogy I'd put is like the the Seattle Mariners mm-hmm. who, who have to overpay for players because they're so geographically far away and they've haven't had a they've never had they've had a like three or four successful teams ever and even then they haven't been that successful so you have to heavily overpay players to go and play for them uh, and. That was that might be what you know Immortals has to do mm-hmm. is to to overpay players to go there because like who is you know good and looking at teams and saying I want to play for Immortals no one was gonna yeah. say that I do think I, not to say not yeah. I'm not I'm not shitting on Immortals <laughs> I'm just using them as an example yeah. right I do think it's also hard too because a lot of sports is region based right so a lot yeah. of us we we root for our teams either we we grew into that the household or we're in an area where we're rooting for a team and. That's really just not feasible um, for regions because all the teams are located in LA. Um, I do think you have to move the challenger teams out of California because of the minimum wage being so high. And I think that's maybe partially why um, the challenger, the LCS uh, Players Association has these asks for challenger players. But in my eyes, are the player are the players actual employees or are they uh, independent contractors? I think they're way? asking for for set salaries for challenger league players, but I don't know if that makes them employees or not. If they're asking for it, because a salary. yeah, I just wonder because if they're if they're salaried, then if they're pay, let's say they're getting sixty k a mm-hmm. year, they're paying you know the the employee the player is paying FICA taxes for those who don't know health insurance and social security taxes that come in as normal income, and then for up to like one hundred eight thousand dollars or something, your employer also matches that. So that's not like the salary is sixty k. They have to provide them health insurance. They have to provide them other things. So it's really somewhere in the neighbor the ballpark of like eighty or, or like eighty five is my guess for a sixty thousand dollars salary. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's more expensive than that than it is on paper as well. So that inflates it and that's well. also they're also in california in la right and that's even more expensive just the cost of living um so if if the challenger series wants to really thrive they have to go to a not a high cost of living area in order to have housing for them like i i wouldn't mind it if the challenger players were being paid i don't know 35k a year but they had guaranteed housing and food right yes so that's that's kind of the thing too it's like if the orgs who are willing to have a have a team in the challenger series with up-and-coming talent they need to provide housing and food for these players and on top of that they get paid 35k i feel like that seems pretty reasonable in my eyes um, because you have the the 35k um, before taxes to to use on whatever you want when you're 16 17 who's dropped out of high school you know um, if, if that's yeah. the route you want to take otherwise there's the college scene that can feed into a lot of these tournaments as well if you include a college college teams into the challenger pool right and the 30 and then at 35,000 you're also eligible for certain federal assistance programs as well <laughs> like if someone was willing to go that route because there are some social stigmas that are wrongly placed with those but you might be eligible for food stamps you might be eligible for cash assistance you might be eligible for rent control etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. so it's the 35k when they have i guess guaranteed housing so the rent control doesn't one doesn't matter but guaranteed housing and food 
inflates that cost, inflates that value, as well as the additional federal assistance they could get for just like being someone who's only earning $35,000 a year. Mm. Yeah. Goose, we've been talking for a while and you've been patiently listening. So thank you for that. So I think I left out a pretty important piece of information whenever I was explaining everything, because I hear what you guys are saying. Um, Riot has been giving these teams two and a half million dollars a year for operational costs. And that can go to building, it can go to player contracts, it can go to whatever the teams want. There's no stipulations. Two and a half million dollars. Yeah. That is more than enough money to operate your team. Oh, hell yeah, it is. So this whole, and that's where I was kind of getting to on like the Discord thread we were going on, was that mm-hmm. Riot gave them this money with no stipulations on how they could spend the money and i think that is where i blame riot most of all because all these teams did was in the sword art example blew that money on sword art instead of using it to spend on other players or resources or whatever else you needed another thing i seen the other day was thorin you guys know who that is yes so he sent out a tweet saying since franchising which was in 2017 2018 something player player contracts have added up to 185 million dollars lcs has brought home in like uh revenue 80 million dollars not sustainable problem (laughs) (laughs) so i think that number that like those two figures alone sum up the entire causation of the problem Mm -hmm. We hit like this bubble where we were playing, paying perks $10 million to finish fucking fifth place in LCS <laughs> yeah. and not make it to Worlds. You know, It's just like, and that's where I go back on like blaming the players is I'm never going to blame somebody for taking as much money as they can. But at the same time, you have to realize that taking a astronomical amount of money has repercussions when your scene does not generate that much money. And... I'll go back to it again. If they had a players union and a CBA, there would be salary caps in this league. And I think that is the biggest thing that the LCS needs is salary caps. I seen something the other day also that uh, JDG, the LPL team that just won MSI, is paying $37 million a year for their team. Holy what? That sounds crazy. And it is crazy. We, we also don't know the economics of how much the LPL or the Chinese government shares with them. So I'll reserve judgment on their revenue. But like, holy Christ, how much money do they even get for winning MSI? That maybe pays for a portion of their roster, but... They got probably 500k for winning MSI, max. And that's for the entire organization. That doesn't cover his, his, his game check. For <laughs> for night, you know, in the, in the middle lane, and it's like the the money is insane in, in some of this, and it's just there's so many problems in so many places, and it just all goes back to the complete mismanagement from Riot and the organizations as a whole. So the MSI prize pool this year was two hundred fifty thousand for all teams, and the winner takes home fifty k. And that's the space before people start buying uh, loot that goes towards the prize pool. 
Yeah, I don't know if... So yeah, that was before that. I don't know if this is per person, like per... So it's 50,000 per player on the winning team, or if that's 50k... No, that's the, the total. Park. That's the total prize pool. Okay, because Worlds is way higher than that, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's only like... The total prize pool for Worlds is what, like... Five million. I think usually, it starts at million. like one one point something is the base, and then as you're buying like the skins and whatnot, that contributes to the prize pool. Gotcha. But the 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 starting amount is, I think I think closer to like one point five or two million or something like that before all of the other skin revenue. But yeah, it's it's really in so here. Small. I I found uh I found where the prize pool of how much each team earned. So, uh, for finishing first at Worlds, DRX got. 500k um as a team and then t1 finishing second got 337 and then the two teams who finished third and fourth got 180 then everyone who finished tied for fifth so the you know fifth sixth seventh eighth who lost in the quarters uh 101 250 and although it's uh no that's not 100 percent right because there's also like yeah, I don't, I don't quite know. But the, the top prize was 500k. The lowest was the Istanbul Wildcats at $16,875. So there's a big gap there. But I was I thought it was a lot higher. I thought we were look a little over a mil for the winner of Worlds. So that no, doesn't even... Like, yeah, like 500k, that's not enough for their rosters at all. No, and, and I, like that's the, the other thing is like winning events and winning tournaments, it's... It, it's not about winning, right? I mean, it is about winning. It's not you're not winning to win the the money. You're winning to get the exposure, right? Right. The the thing that pays all the bills is us looking at our screen. You know, like and yeah. however that algorithm works of me watching Twitch even though I don't spend any money on Twitch and that turns into money. I don't know how that works, but sponsorships is mostly where that money comes from. Ad revenue. But, <laughs> It's just it it we hit a bubble and then COVID happened and everything got depreciated in value and these players were making astronomical amounts of money. I mean, you look at the TL roster; they were like, it was like twenty one million dollars for that TL roster to not make worlds. They had, they had like Alfari and whoever else was on the team. You know, it's like twenty one million dollars for a team Yikes. to play League of Legends. <laughs> when Riot is only giving you $2 million in operation costs. And then it goes back to like, yeah, you're getting $2 million. But what the teams don't do is when was the last time you seen a fucking Instagram post from Team Liquid or from TSM or from Cloud9 about their players or about their organization trying to boost their like online credentials? They don't do yeah, it. I- they, don't, they don't spend money on online influencing. They don't do it. Yeah, I don't know about the NA scene doing that. Um, I know but if you that look at I've, the LPL and LCK, it's huge. They're everywhere. Yeah, T1 Faker's is, face I, I, is is all over Seoul. You know, it's like he he owns his own apartment or not his own apartment. He owns a skyscraper in Seoul. The he was the face of like the national ice cream as well. At one point, he was the Faker the World Cone that they have. Yep. His Faker Tower and stuff like yeah, they promote him everywhere. Like if they're and their streams are huge. The individual players, they're like it comes out on Twitter. It's like oh the here's the stream for the upcoming week, and then it's a link to it where it's like where each of the five players their times at which they're streaming in a couple different time zone 
comparisons for him. And yeah, it's, uh, I don't know about the LPL, but I'm not surprised it's the same. And, and the other LCK teams do a lesser version of that than T1 because they're T1, but like still they're, yeah, these Eastern teams and European teams as well are putting out the word of where their players are, like generally what they're doing, like here's how you can support players, all those sorts of stuff. Give me, <laughs> like it's kind of funny, like before even franchising, right, in 2017, a lot of these teams were doing a lot of these social media stuff. Like I think one of the most interesting pieces of content was Team Liquid's Breaking Point, like their documentary of how the team was just so dysfunctional towards the end because they they kind of like uh they kind of just all tilted at the same time, right? And you saw it in the play and it's a documentary about how this team that was on the verge of being a really good team to represent NA just kind of fell after not qualifying for Worlds and the next season was just a a complete cluster and like that was super interesting just to see the dynamic like the the last dance of Team Liquid type of type of documentary that they post on YouTube and I, I still think that that was one of the most interesting um, things in media content but now I don't see any YouTube videos at all from these teams like you don't hear anything about player bios you get nothing about the person who you're watching on the screen um in terms of their personality and what what they what they do what they did before league it's just kind of a everyone's kind of the same person based on what they're portraying which i think is pretty uninteresting i feel like you need you need like pat beverly type of players (laughs) Who are like if you don't know who Pat Beverly is, he's kind of like an, an instigator who's like um he, he he's okay. He's not the greatest NBA player, but he's not terrible by any stretch. But he's an instigator who like talks a lot of shit, um, and will get up people's face when he plays and whatnot. And so you need different personalities just so you can show that you're not just a robot behind a screen, right? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to find where it is, but there's also, yeah, they used to do stuff where like people would try the snacks available to people from different regions. They did a couple of those. I think like, uh, a couple of Koreans did them for worlds this year, uh, or maybe last year or something like that. But yeah, like there's just not, yeah, I I agree. Like there's that definitely hurts like even though even the level of since the level of play is lower they have to try additional things to get people to watch it especially because we're not like most people are not going to these games so it's not like you know you can go down you know drive 30 minutes and then go watch your local baseball team play that's not a thing uh with league it's all online so for people who want to watch the best play they're not watching lcs you have to have some other way to draw them into it and if you're not going to have personalities then i don't know what the hell you're going to try and promote to get people to get eyes on the screen there other than like and it's not like you could do like oh if you're watching it this time you get a money drop because then there's going to have bots that people are going to program bots that just troll for those and sit there so i i have no idea um I wish that there'd be more of stuff like one of my favorite Instagram accounts I follow is called T1 Bop. It's the restaurant in their, uh, in their facility. 
they post pictures of the meal at every time they have a meal and then um, like what's in them. And it's like, it's so cool. They do like 10 pictures every time. It's like, here's what each of them are. Here's like some of the stuff in them. It's, it's so cool to watch. So like shit like that, where it like gets like someone who's me, like a foodie into it um, would be really cool to see. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, we could talk for like two, three hours about the issues with this and stuff, but uh, is there anything else that, we missed that we should really talk about with this or no i think, no, we, I don't think so yeah. i think we covered a lot of our our opinions about it um yeah we'll and, see how uh, it unfolds right that's that's the one thing we we i mean we we don't have any say in this so it's just seeing how it unfolds but we i think we all are pretty much on the same page about what went wrong and um just seeing what happens from there yeah I, I totally agree. Um, I will say the one thing that I really hated that I think most people also agree. I forgot to bring this up where there was uh, double if did a video talking about his thoughts on the whole thing, which like, cool, go ahead and talk about it publicly. That's great. So that people can hear your voice specifically because people care about him. And it's just good that we're hearing a personality speak out. The one thing that I really hated though, was that in that video pretty early on. So people would be watching it. He said that if the, if it is either walk out or, like, and the season gets canceled or play, he's going to play and violate the walkout, which I thought was like, okay, if you're going to do that for like economics or stuff, I get that, but don't publicly broadcast that. Cause then that people saying that really hurts the initiative. And I bet the rest of the players when they saw that were so pissed off that he did that. Cause that really, I mean, that hurts their bargaining power. So um, I, I haven't heard of any other pros doing that. I, I can't believe he was stupid enough to say that, even if he believes it. But that just like it it hurts him as a person in the scene, like his him being like, you know, likable or trustworthy or things like that. And it also just hurts like the whole movement of it. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that, but I really hated that moment. I agree. That was not a good thing to say. Yeah. So, okay. Anyways, then we'll. uh, We'll wrap it up here then. Um, this has been episode 812 of the Trinity Force podcast. Please come to Community Game Nights, which are uh, Tuesday nights at 7.15 Eastern time, and they run for three to four hours. It's a lot of fun. Um, additionally, we have a Patreon, so please go check out the different benefits that we offer at those different price tiers. And finally, if you have any feedback for us, which for this, we would love to hear your thoughts on this whole shebang that's happening and we could discuss them in a, a the next pod or so um but yeah let us know if you have any feedback you can do that via the feedback thread in our discord if you don't know where the discord is it's on our website which is uh trinityforcepodcast.com or if you don't want to do that you can email us at questions at trinityforcepodcast.com so with that this has been episode 812 thank you all for tuning in and we'll see you next time bye Peace. Thanks for listening to our product and being a member of the Trinity Force Network community. If you have a moment, please head over to iTunes and give your favorite show a comment and a rating. If you're so inclined, you can check out all of the other great shows in the network. We've got a wide variety of content from League of Legends to general gaming and role-playing podcasts. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found on Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit under T-Force Network. 
We've also got a Patreon under that name where you can support your favorite shows with a small donation each month. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you continue to enjoy all of our podcasts, videos, and the community that we provided.